What's up, guys, and welcome to the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick. We've got a really special episode for you guys today. Corey LeBeau back again. We're going to be going through the Warriors-Mavs Western Conference Finals matchup, talking about some key takeaways, a little bit of injury news and updates as the Warriors look to get some rest and prepare for their finals matchup. Opponent still to be determined. We've got the Heat and Boston Celtics duking it out. Game six going on right now as I'm recording this. So again, really great episode. Special guest Corey LeBeau. Thanks for tuning in. And without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, Sam. Hey, Corey. How you doing, man? I am doing fantastic, Sam. Just fantastic. What a great day for Dub Nation. Yeah, man. Happy Friday. Memorial Day weekend. The Golden State Warriors are going to the NBA Finals. That's right. That's right. It's nice to have a whole long weekend of not worrying about another game or anything until the Finals. Yeah, man. There's a uh, we've got some some hot news this morning. Um, got some games to recap. Um, I guess I'll kind of kick things off. Most uh, not most, sorry. Gary Payton the second is expected to return um, to the Golden State Warriors to be available for the NBA Finals. Per NBA sources, I have not seen the Warriors make an official statement yet, but this came from. Um, from Shams of The Athletic, um, also from uh, Anthony Slater. So, yeah, um, expecting GP2 to be back in some form or fashion. Uh, it's obviously going to be a huge boost for the Warriors, depending on, you know, what kind of condition he's in. You know, he's currently at about the four-week mark from when he suffered the injury. Uh, are you surprised by that at all? I'm, oh, you know... If you had asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have been surprised. But in the conference finals, you saw him around the team. He seemed in such good spirits. It really did seem that they were targeting that finals comeback. But I'm just so happy, Sam. Like, it's going to be great for the Warriors, not just logistically and schematically because he's such a great defender, but just, like, emotionally having him back. It was so tough to watch him go down against Memphis not just to lose that, our best point of attack defender, maybe like the best perimeter defender in the league, kind of a hot take, but just to see the emotions and having to claw back. So the fact that he gets to be a part of this run and gets to have a finals moment, I think even if he's not as useful as he was in the first round, even if he's not closing out games, he's going to be such a emotional uplift to this team. And you know, they feed off joy, Sam, you know, they feed off joy. So that's huge. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that getting GP two back, you know, for the Warriors, they all root for each other. His story is so unique and special. It was very, it's quite the shock watching him go down the way that he suffered that injury, and um, you know his teammates all being there pulling for him, being supportive. So getting him back would be huge. The emotional boost he plays with so much joy. Um, it would just be great for him in his first real kind of playoff run and, and, and just another 
step in his journey to be able to contribute to uh, bringing home his first championship ring. Definitely, definitely. And you know, even if he's still like recovering from the arm, they said he's got his cardio up. I bet defensively he's still going to be a monster. Like maybe he's not going to hit some of those threes that he hit against Denver, but that's okay. Even you put him in for a little bit, slow down, whoever we're playing in the finals, that's going to be big. And just, you know, some depth and rotation minutes. That's awesome. I'm hoping for him and I'm hoping for, if Andre Iguodala could get back on the court, that would just make my heart sore. I'm ready for the full team, the full strengths and numbers, strengths and numbers 2022 edition to come through. <laughs> yeah, Iguodala and Otto Porter Jr. So it's been tough. It's been interesting against these, uh, this Dallas Mavericks team in this Western Conference final series, really missing three-fifths of the Warriors bench. You've got three key rotation pieces, Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton II, and uh, Andre Guadal miss significant time. Um, and it's been the next man up mentality, but, you know, these guys have been a fixture for the team the entire season. Obviously, Guadal and Otto Porter have kind of been handled um, delicately to avoid this type of issue reoccurring, but we just see mm -hmm. the Warriors' depth on full display. So many options. You've even got rookies coming in and contributing in some form or fashion. Um, and and this is a 15-man deep squad that Kerr, you know, this is, I don't know if you caught that, um, questions at the, end of the, at the end of the game last night for Steph Curry talking about how, what it meant for Moody and Kaminga and Toscano or Damian Lee to be able to step in um, at a moment's notice having not played in some time potentially and contribute and make an impact. And, you know, S Steph Curry really credited Steve Kerr in the message that he gave at the start of the season saying that your time will come. There will be a moment you will be called upon and there will be opportunity for you for, so stay ready. Don't be discouraged if you're not getting playing time. Um, if you feel like you're kind of buried in the depths chart, your time will come. And sure enough, I mean, Steve Kerr's lived up on that. You know, maybe the only one who's really kind of at the bottom of that is uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson. Mm -hmm. But still, just it really great, really incredible. I think Moses Moody came in uh, in that game five against the Mavericks last night and, and really contributed a lot of energy and effort off, off the bench in the first half. I think he got like seven minutes um, in the second quarter. He hit a three, he hit a couple free throws, a couple really nice shot, you know, one shot at the end of the shot clock, clock winding down, um, mm -hmm. just really under poise for Moses Moody. Really nice to see him make an impact. Will be great to see him build upon that uh, maybe in the finals, maybe next year, um, really kind of turning into that that guy that we got with number 14 pick. Jonathan Kaminga's had his ups and downs in the postseason. I think, you know, his game, and what we expected for him, you know, teams have really read the scouting report and really keyed on him, keyed in on him when he's on the floor. So I think that's a good experience for him to continue to work on his game in the offseason. Obviously, still incredibly young and raw, and so much ceiling and upside in the future. But I mean, we've got we've got the best of both worlds here. We're winning games. We're back in the finals yet again, and giving 
giving our our young guys a lot of opportunity to develop and grow in the meantime while um executing you know and 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 winning yeah. most importantly <laughs> and winning most importantly it's really amazing to think about how valuable these playoff minutes you're right like kaminga hasn't been spectacular moody really nice in his limited minutes but it doesn't even matter like the fact that they're getting these reps in this postseason crucible is so valuable and teaches them so much. But we need to go back to just how impressive this is. When they entered the playoffs against Denver, they were running like an eight-man rotation. They weren't playing the back of the bench. And then as the playoffs have gone, they lost, yeah, three of their key bench guys, Iguodala, Porter, and Gary Payton. And now they are playing those bottom-of-the-bench units, that shortened rotation. And those guys are stepping up. It's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. Moody's presence in the second quarter of this closeout game, such poise. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about his poise all season, really. Ever since he came back from the G League and started nailing his shots, he is so poised under pressure. He knows how to be that escape valve when Steph gets trapped and making the shots, making the right pass. And then there was one defensive play that led to his three where he like slapped it out of Luca's hands on a drive. He just like helped over just enough. The man knows what he's doing. And I loved after he hit that three, they call timeout. Dallas calls timeout and the crowd is roaring and the whole team is so happy for Moody. Like, yes, young fella, you're doing it. You're doing it on the big stage. It's very cool to see the strength in numbers. And look, Sam, I would be a hypocrite if I did not shout out my easily, my least favorite player on this squad, Nemenya Bielitsa, actually having his shining moment guarding against Luka Doncic and playing well. I am amazed and so happy to be wrong. So happy he got his moment. Yeah, it was interesting. You've got Bielitsa and Looney. Uh, maybe even I'd throw Clay Thompson into that conversation. Just matching up very well against Luka, particularly because Luka's so slow, or at least likes to take his time with his moves and create space through his craftiness um, and then using his kind of size and bulk to um, to find openings. And so for Bielitsa and Looney, that gave them a lot of opportunity to not have to react um, as quickly to his first step. Um, same thing, mm-hmm. I kind of I looping Clay Thompson into that category as well. I still feel like Clay has had his moments of defensive prowess and also um, been a little bit lack lackadaisical at times too. Get we'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, yeah. But totally agree. I thought Bielitsa, this is a great opportunity for him. Um, no auto porter, Kaminga. You know the matchup wasn't really there as we kind of thought, uh, or like we would we would have thought coming into the series. This was a perfect opportunity for Kaminga, but um, just a little bit challenging for him. And so, yeah, uh, Bielitsa really. You know, he kind of lost his way for a good part of the season, but great to see him be able to contribute. And um, we needed him for sure. He played a crucial role off the bench. Uh, he played a crucial role down the stretch, just as a big body who can make the right play on offense and defense, um, veteran. You know, it wasn't even like he was striping threes every time he was on the floor. He did hit a few. <laughs> Um, no, just, yeah. You just need a big body like Draymond between Draymond and Looney. They can't play, you know, they can't play the entire game. 
Yeah, no, I mean, defensively, he held up well enough in these switches with Luca. And I don't know, there's something about it. When he sees these other European superstars, he sees Luca, he sees Jokic, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm the EuroLeague MVP. Let me play against them. So he seems to have a little bit of confidence and swagger when he's playing against them. But Dallas was just a great matchup for him, right? Like they don't have big guys. So he's not getting completely swallowed on the boards. He gets to play with either Draymond or Looney. So he doesn't have to be the rim protector. And Dallas's defense, the way they swarm Steph and then they're constantly switching everyone else, they need somebody who can make that pass, who can guide traffic, kind of like how Draymond does when Draymond's not out there. So he did really well. He was able to be that connector. He was able to look and find Clay for those open shots. And, you know, in that matchup, they needed someone who's more pass first, especially without Iguodala, without Porter out there. Um, that's a little bit more helpful than, say, a Jonathan Kaminga, who's got the bounce, but maybe doesn't know how to make those advanced reads against the scrambling defense. Yeah, and I got to uh, I got to show some love for Kavon Looney, man. I mean, what a series for Kavon Looney. This is amazing. It's amazing. It's Moses Maloon. It's Hakeem Olunjuwon. Like, who is this man? <laughs> he has just leveled up. He's got a post game. He's got fakes. He's getting all the boards. He's stout defensively. You know, he did so well against Luka, but I was blown away with how he stayed up against Jalen Brunson on some, of those on some of those switches. This little guy, he's trying to shake him. He was with him 100% of the way, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I am so impressed with him. And I'm even wondering, like, looking into the finals, like, maybe we didn't have a center problem after all. I mean, those are going to be famous last words. But even looking into the finals, like, what centers are going to demolish him? He can hold up against everyone who's, like, not Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid. And who can hold up against those guys anyways? Yeah. Um, I thought Looney was probably the best defender against Brunson um, for the entire series. Honestly. Yeah. With the way he, again, you know, Brunson doesn't beat you with a quick first step or his, his athleticism. It's all pivots and fakes and jukes once he's terminated the dribble. So again, just discipline, reading the scouting report, watching film, he didn't bite on anything. Looney had the length to contest. A lot of times Brunson gave the ball up when Looney mm -hmm. was on him. But I mean, in five games, averaging 28 minutes, shooting 70% from the field and 10.6 rebounds, 10.6 uh, points, three assists, just absolutely insane. Four offensive rebounds, 3.8 average per game. That's um, wild. The minutes, the points, just everything, his impact defensively. Um, I know that Steph Curry won Western Conference Finals MVP, the new award <laughs> that the NBA released, which I thought was very, very much so deserving. Steph Curry was very quietly leading the Warriors um, every night, whether, you know, he scored the most points or not, um, or a shot was falling in or not. Everything that Curry did, you know, is really leading this team, but... Um, in another dimension or parallel universe, you know, Andrew Wiggins or, or Kavon Looney easily, you know, in my mind, options 1B or 1C to Steph Curry 1A for that award because both of those guys, Andrew Wiggins too, just 
absolutely incredible performances and play coming up with timely contributions on both sides of the floor, playing significant minutes, guarding the other team's best players. Just, you know, words don't really do it justice. You really had to watch, honestly. No, you're totally right. And I love that you had to watch because it's Wiggins evolution from being like, a good stats on a bad team guy to being an okay stats on a great team guy because he's turned into a winning player. I, that was so impressive what he did against Luca. And he's like just gotten better every single round. You can almost feel his confidence growing. He's like, oh my gosh, I can actually do this. I can be a key part of this championship team. And you're right, man. Stephen Curry, that's Magic Johnson, Western Conference Finals MVP, Stephen Curry is so deserved, but I like what you're saying with Looney and Wiggins being 1B and 1C because they're the reason that the series felt so easy and was over in five games as opposed to a really tough six or seven game series because it was these other guys that played so much better than the Mavs other guys and showed that they could do more and that they could stay up and that they could be part of this equal opportunity offense and commit at the right times. They were invaluable it's it's amazing how deep this team feels when you think about our conversations right before the playoffs it was like well we'll see what Steph Clay and Dre have in the tank and now it feels so much more like Clay doesn't have to have it every night Draymond has been surprised like he was great last night but he's been surprisingly not as good some series some games like he's kind of feeling it out still being great but you know not as consistent as before it's really remarkable to see who stepped up yeah, I love to see the evolution of Steve Kerr, the coaching staff, this Warriors team in this postseason run, because I think you're totally right. Coming into the playoffs, it was like, okay, we've got this high-powered offense of Curry, Poole, and Thompson um, with Wiggins as a nice fourth option, and we're going to put up a lot of points and beat teams that way. And it wasn't that at all. Um, mm-hmm. Many times throughout the postseason, we could not hit a three-point shot. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were shooting well below, you know, their their field goal averages. Same with same with Poole. And it was it was Looney working inside, grabbing rebounds or finishing underneath. Um, Wiggins attacking the rim. Just so just so many different ways to get a bucket. Relying on the mid range, uh, getting to the foul line. It wasn't just high, you know, high flying. Get out get stops and hit threes in transition. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, the growth of this team because you saw for Dallas, you know, they gave us a hard time at times when they hit 15 threes in in one half. Um, You know, it's hard to beat a team when they do that. But then when the threes don't fall and you, you know, and you open the game missing your first 16 three-pointers, you got to find other ways to put the ball in the basket. You can't just be so one-dimensional. Um, and so, you know, the defense needs to be the constant, but you have to find creative ways to score in whatever, whatever the defense is willing to give up. And that might mean mid-range shots. That might mean, uh, you know, drawing fouls, whatever it is. So that was really interesting. I mean, uh, Andrew Wiggins in this series averaged the second most field goal attempts after Clay Tom- or after Steph Curry. So Curry's at 18. Really? Wiggins is at 15-6. Thompson's at 15-2. Pools at eight, Draymond Green seven point four, and Looney at six point eight. 
Wiggins just really sees the opportunity this series. He's like, I am guarding their best guy. It seemed to activate him in a way that he's not always activated. And then on the other end, oh, if you're going to guard me, I am going to cut. I am going to drive. I am going to shoot. And actually taking advantage of it, I thought last night was a perfect illustration of exactly what you were talking about, Sam, where, yeah, his Wiggins three was not falling. And a lot of times that's the indicator of if he's even going to be effective at all. Like, is his three pretty good? Is he hitting those timely threes or is he not? And his three wasn't falling, but he still found ways to be aggressive. He still had some beautiful drives to the basket where he like goes through three people and lays it up. He played was just end-to-end defense the whole way through. And I was like, yes, now that is what we're looking for. Someone who brings that fight every second of the game, regardless of whether his shot's falling or not. And that's the evolution of him as a player too. Yeah. um, 100%. I think, you know, it was interesting to watch Jordan Poole's game um, as well. I think that, that pool's going to have a lot to work on in this off season and just really elevate his game to the next level. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. at times in the Denver series, he looked unguardable, just putting up 30 points, being like the leading scorer on the team, the way he's able to get to the rim. Um, and then other times, you know, if his shot, if his outside shot isn't falling, if uh, you know, he's kind of getting caught, uh, trying to attack or double teamed and then defensively really getting picked on. He gets into foul trouble. You know, he had a tough time sticking with Jalen Brunson or Spencer Dinwiddie, like both bigger guards who are a little bit more physical, but I think that's good. Again, Jordan Poole, 22 years old, really good experience for him to go through all of this, the ups and downs, the successes, the challenges. This is all opportunity for him to improve and work on his game that I know he's going to do. Um, coming into next season and just continue to be this dynamo of a player and you just see the blueprint of what uh, what an incredible talent he can be for many years to come yeah and what a great example he has right next to him in Stephen Curry who once was the person who was picked on and now has turned into at times it feels like he's their best guard defender when Gary Payton's been out he stops people almost. It's amazing. So to show that he has the tools, he can do it. He just has to show that aggression and be disciplined. Did you see during the game, it might've been my favorite non-game moment of the game where it was the inside the tracks and it had Steve Kerr talking to Jordan Poole about his defense. And he was just talking about how, yeah, when you play with that aggressiveness, that energy, you're showing harder, you're making moves faster and harder it makes it more difficult for them. And it doesn't mean you're going to get a stop every single time, but it means they might make two out of five shots rather than three out of five shots. And over the course of a game that adds up, I thought that was such a brilliant coaching maneuver. It was so great to see that Jordan learning that in time too, in real time, seeing the impact that it makes and the impact it has on even like these unstoppable scores like Luca, where it's the easy thing all of a sudden becomes slightly less easier meaning he drains more energy, meaning he has less places to turn to, and just what team defense looks like. It was inspiring. It was very cool. Yeah, that, that was really great. And I think it, it goes back to the point you made earlier about um, Kavon Looney and, and being able to stop you know, the likes of Jokic or Embiid and, and can you even stop them anyways. And what I see a lot of people on Twitter saying like, yeah, Looney did good in this series, but he's un- he's unplayable against against these real bigs and Um, I mean, let's just take a step back real quick, you know, like you're just saying against these 
these superstars of today's NBA, the Giannis, the Jokic, the Luka, you're not going to stop them from scoring 20 points, Mm -mm. maybe not even 30, but you, you try to make it harder. You try to contest, you make them work hard. And the hope is they don't get an easy 30. They don't get a parade to the foul line. And by, by crunch time, when it's, when the game's on the line and it's down the stretch, they're fatigued and they start missing shots. And, you know, those extra, those extra misses because you get you sold out a little bit harder to contest and you force them to miss one more than, than maybe they would have liked. And that can be the difference in a, in a highly contested game. Totally. And that's all and you ask just, from. Yeah. And not just even the over the course of, you know, the game, but like in game three, game four, game five, like that, the attrition that these, you know, heliocentric players have these Lucas, these Jokic's, these, well, Jokic actually, I, I shouldn't put him in that category because he's such a good sharer and mover of the ball. But Embiid's, the LeBron's, the Harden's, you know, it takes a toll doing that over the course of all of these games. It's amazing. And you know what? Like, yeah, so the knock-on is that Looney's an okay center at times, but against the big boys, he can't handle it. Well, whoops, they put him in the starting lineup in game six against Memphis, and that is a bruising New Zealand monster in Stephen Adams, who he was matched up against, and he out played him thoroughly, absolutely thoroughly. And that's Jaron Jackson. That's Steven Adams. That's a big team that crushes teams on the glass. And Looney held his own. So looking at either Miami or Boston, like, yeah, both of those are physical big teams, but I'm not as worried that Looney can't play. Like, yeah, it might be hard, but I I think Looney will be just fine against those guys. Yeah, I think, you know, you just have to recognize, you got to know your personnel, right? Is Looney going to, is Looney going to be an above the rim defender and rack up five blocks in a game? Probably not. Heck, we don't even really see Draymond doing that as much kind of at mm-hmm. his tail end of his career, right? I think Draymond, you know, peak Draymond at the last finals run, whatever, three years ago, he was that kind of guy where he, you could count on him to really send away shots at the rim two, three, four, or five times a game, especially in the postseason. But they've learned to adapt and work around that. The Warriors, you know, they'll, they're, they're okay giving up a two at the rim or they'll foul you and make you work for it, or, or they'll just contest with verticality. And sure, you know, we don't have the shot blocking prowess like in years past where we led the league in blocks per game, but there's other ways to get it done. And so Looney, I think his brilliance has really been on display, at least for not just the casual fan, but those who can kind of read defensive schemes and look at rotations. We talked about his ability to stop Jalen Brunson, what he's able to do on the the glass, both offensively and defensively. So sure, you know, Robert Williams probably towers over him by a good three, four or five inches. Um, But that doesn't mean Looney can't fight for position and and get rebounds. Um, Same thing, Al Horford or Bam Adebayo, you know, with, with Looney, it's about heart and toughness and desire. And I mean, he's proven that. So I agree with you. I think, you know, as we look ahead to this finals matchup, you know, it's going to be an interesting game six tonight. We still don't know Miami, Boston. I think, you know, Draymond Green said last night on TNT, it's going to be Boston. Um, I think it depends who plays for sure. That that's obviously going to play a role in this. A lot of questionable players coming into that game. Um, Yeah. I thought that was so funny that Draymond was on. He just went into analyst mode immediately. was like, we're playing Boston. And I was like, I wonder if he's saying that just so Miami has enough bulletin board material and it'll get so fired up that they'll win game six and then it goes to a game seven either way. 
So it's like for Draymond, it's a win-win. Either we get a longer series or we, he's right and we get Boston. So next yeah, I mean, level. I prefer, I prefer Miami for sure, but we'll, I mean, 3-2 in favoring Boston would probably be, probably will be Boston. Warriors have home court either way. Which With the way that the Warriors are playing, um, I don't really see it making a huge difference. I, I was Boston was the one team that I had circled coming into the playoffs that I was concerned most about. I think the second one was Memphis. Um, maybe it could have been Phoenix, maybe not. They obviously have their own issues that they'll have to work through. Um, yeah, I think we can throw Phoenix out of that pile. After watching Dallas just demolish them and seeing what we did to Dallas, that team is not... It's, it's, it's different levels, man. Different levels. Championship pedigree here. Yeah, I, well, I think I, I for, for Phoenix, it came down to Chris Paul and his health. Um, obviously, he's kind of the leader of that group. Booker and Aiton didn't really step up to to the task at hand. But um, Yeah, well, you know, Booker's the one who was on first-team All-NBA, and he shrunk from the moment, too. Aiton got played off the court, even though his whole thing was, I'm a huge guy who can stay on the court. And right. look at Looney stopping and being the center where DeAndre Ayton couldn't. And Mikhail Bridges, like defensive possible player of the year, Mikhail Bridges getting roasted by Luca, whereas Wiggins actually did a good job. It's amazing how these things change when you move from the regular season where you're a machine that can work and get better versus the playoffs where you actually have to make changes. Yeah, there's a, you know, I'm not going to quote this as my own, but I've seen... I've seen this thrown out on Twitter by a few different people. There's three different seasons within an NBA season. You've got the regular season, you've got the playoffs, and then you've got the final four. And mm. so I do, you do really think that the game changes, right? Um, you can get by and win a lot of regular season games with totally different approach. But when you're in a seven game series, the scheming matters, the matchups matter, um, having a bench matters having guys who can get buckets in different ways matters. And then, and then especially more, especially when you're in the conference and, and NBA finals, right? The spotlight's on you. Do you rise to the occasion or do you flounder under the pressure? Um, can you deal with the scrutiny? Um, so, so much of that. So. Do man, you rise even... to the occasion? Well, I just got to say, Sam, that's so, that's so true. It's my favorite quote from Andre Iguodala. When it's time for the playoffs, buttholes get tight. Buttholes get tight, and those shots aren't quite as easy. So when I'm hearing people talk about, like, oh, well, Dallas was such a great shooting team, like, last series, and they just happened to miss them this time, actually, those shots feel a little bit different when you're run one round later and playing against the dynastic Golden State Warriors rather than a team you think you can beat. And it's just amazing to see our team rise, even these new ones where other teams are kind of like missing the moment a bit. Yeah. And I feel like it, it came down to, you know, like we saw Aaron Gordon take him three or four games to, to show up in the, in yeah. the matchup with the Warriors. It took Dorian Finney Smith two or three games to actually show up. Cause he was the guy that I was most concerned about. Cause he roasted us in the regular season, putting his head down, getting to the rim, hitting threes. And so when he finally woke up, it was like, Oh man, you know, Dallas actually showing some signs of life, but it was too little too late. And so not having the confidence, getting discouraged early because the Warriors came out with so much intensity and focus defensively um, and it really making them go through 
two or three games of film and review and everything mm-hmm. before finally being able to make the adjustment. Um, one thing I was going to say earlier is, man, I don't even feel like the Warriors put together a start to finish a game in any game this playoff series. That's the craziest thing about all of this. Um, forget about not having the entire rotation, you know, missing a lot of the bench guys throughout most of the series. But the fact that, um, you know, you had one of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or Jordan Poole struggling at times offensively, the turnovers, um, just lacks, lackadaisical stretches defensively. Um, and so that's like the really ridiculous thing for me is I don't even feel like we had to play an A game to win any of these series thus far. And I don't think that the Boston or Miami series is going to be any, you know, very much different. I think, you know, Boston matches up with us the best probably than anyone else. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, you know, they've got pieces, but their bench isn't nearly as deep as ours. Um, and so that's, that's, I think the point that I wanted to make here is I feel like we could have played so much better too than what we did. You're so right. I was thinking about that. Even with last game, we're just demolishing them in the first half. And I'm like, and Steph hasn't really done much. Now, Steph does not have to shoot to be the best player on the floor. We know that. Hashtag gravity. But it just goes to show, like, we we didn't even have that perfect Warriors game. Now, we could be spoiled. We watched, like, one of the greatest teams of all time, if not the greatest team, for five straight years. So we might be spoiled on, like, the expectations of a game where everyone's clicking. But it does show they're getting better each round of the playoffs. And they could be rounding into their final, most confident, most poised form as they're going into the finals. Whereas if Boston does win, and Boston has looked freaking unbelievable these playoffs, and the road they've gone through has been much more difficult than the Warriors, but they're entering the playoffs, the finals, like bruised and broken and beaten and tired. And that's going to be a big difference too. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, Warriors, I think their hardest series was Memphis. Um, easily. And having another series to really kind of rest, the, the Mavericks didn't really push the pace. They didn't really play with that much intensity or physicality. Uh, sure, you got Otto Porter with, with the foot, but he's he's questionable and has been questionable. Um, reinforcements on the way. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I got, um, assuming it's Boston, I think, you know, I got Warriors and maybe five or six. I think, again, it's going to be very similar to the series in Dallas, take care of business at home. Let's see how they do on the road. If they can come out and steal a game on the road and then close it out at home. Um, I think for Boston, they're kind of live or die by their shooting, right? Tatum will have games where he's like five of five from three. And then other times where he's like one for nine and uh, Marcus smart too, can be known to, to be very Dylan Brooks esque with the way mm-hmm, that he shoots mm-hmm. the ball. Um, Al Horford has been absolutely incredible. Robert Williams seems like he's missed more games than he's played in their postseason run. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'm certainly not going to say that it should be a cakewalk or that the Warriors will sweep them, but I think gentlemen sweep or maybe a game six win. I just don't see, I just don't see the Warriors backing down here. And I feel like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or maybe even really Steph Curry rising to the occasion, having kind of one of those quintessential finals MVP MVP performances that he's yet to receive the award for. 
um, just putting up 30 plus every night, you know, hitting, hitting more than half his threes type of type of role. But I don't think Boston has enough players to defend all of our options offensively either. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's tricky, man. I'm higher on Boston than you are. I'm real nervous about them. I think they're the easily, easily the best team we're going to, we've faced in these playoffs so far. I'm picking more is I think I would say dubs and seven. I think they pull it out in like a classic series, but here's the thing. We haven't played as good of a defense as, as Boston Memphis was a really good defense, but they were good because they played to our weaknesses. I think Boston is just a better, more calculated, smart, better defenders all around. But Boston hasn't played an offense as good as the Warriors either. And it'll be interesting after some of these slugfests that they've had against Miami and Milwaukee, if they can handle all of the beautiful motion, all of the different options, the depth and the cuts and the passing. But they play the Warriors really well all the time. I'm interested. I, I think it's going to be a classic either way. Yeah, I think the starters are, are the starting groups on both teams match up pretty well, but I just don't, I'm just not scared of Boston's bench, similar to Dallas. Who are they bringing in that can maintain that intensity defensively? You know, Pritchett, um, you know, Grant Williams usually starts in place of Robert Williams. So I just feel like they kind of have a depleted bench a little bit partially due to injuries, but um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think we have more options than they do but that doesn't take away from the intensity that uh, Jason Tatum and uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Al Horford play with. So I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for sure, but when, you know, if Clay Thompson can continue scoring at a high level and you know, Andrew Wiggins is going to be involved, Kevon Looney is going to play a big role. um, And then we've got these other guys coming back. We've got reinforcements. So I think we've got a lot to throw at them and it'll definitely be, an interesting chess match as these series have continued to be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, man. Give us the trophy. Let Steph Curry get the finals MVP. I want to see the celebrations at Chase Center. It was emotional watching them last night. It was emotional watching them win, going back, the joy that they played with. And, you know, they had the, one of the most amazing runs in basketball history, in sports history, and it all disappeared like in an instant. The injuries, the next season was so terrible. And then this pandemic happened. And to watch them come back like a phoenix rising from the ashes after two years, I don't know, man. It, like, it, it puts things in perspective of how hard things have been for everybody these past few years. And like, actually, like, yes. If you persevere, if you fight through it, if you stay the course, like things can get better. You can do a better job. And it's just, I'm so happy for these guys. And I'm so happy for all the fans and for basketball at large to be able to watch them. It's amazing. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, Corey, we've got, we've got some time. The Warriors got some time off. It'd be interesting to see what happens tonight. Boston can put them away or if the season or the series continues on great to have you on the show as always. And uh, yeah, man, maybe we'll do a little, uh, little end of season recap uh, depending on how the series goes. Oh, heck yeah, Sam. This is amazing. Go Dubs. We'll see him in the finals and let's keep the magic rolling, baby. Hell yeah, man. Appreciate it. All right. Catch you later, Sam. 
Hey listeners, quickly, before we sign off, for all you fantasy basketball players out there, there is no such thing as an off-season in fantasy, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season's already underway. We've got incredible experts here at Sports Ethos putting together lessons learned and draft analysis on this incoming rookie class so that you, the listener, can get ahead on your prep. And we're going to have free agency and summer league coverage as well. But you got to be a part of the premium membership team. So head to sportsethos.com now, click on the premium tab, and grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, cook one more lunch per month because it's only $5.99. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. If you haven't already, give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at S-D-O-R-L-I-K. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let's go Warriors heading back to the NBA Finals yet again for the first time in three years. So let's go Dubs. We'll be anxiously awaiting to see who they will be playing. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you on the next one.